Good morning and welcome. <clears throat> Today, Jaap van Staden is going to lead a very high octane concert. This concert has only two pieces on it. It has a big fifth symphony on the first half and it has a big fifth symphony on the second half. These are two of the most famous symphonies ever written. Beethoven's Fifth is the most famous symphony of the 19th century, and Shostakovich's Fifth is the most popular symphony of the 20th century. And both symphonies are consciously heroic. Both begin in darkness, both are full of conflict, and both drive to shining heroic conclusions. And both finales are marches. Beethoven makes his a triumphant march. And Shostakovich makes his a brisk military march. some surprising parallels between these two symphonies. Both were composed by very young men. Both Beethoven and Shostakovich were in their early 30s when they began to compose these pieces. And both symphonies were controversial. We take Beethoven's fifth totally for granted, but when it was premiered in Paris, one of the professors at the Paris Conservatory was terrified and he proclaimed fiercely, music like that should never be written. Sh Shostakovich's fifth has always seemed pure triumph, but recently a lot of people have begun to wonder what he really meant in this music, wonder if there might be a darker message behind the shining surfaces of this music. So today I'm gonna take you through these two very powerful, and very famous fifth symphonies and give you some things to listen for. I'm also gonna ask you some questions that I hope will make you think about these pieces in completely new ways. In 1803, Beethoven composed the Eroica, his third symphony. He was 32 years old and he was consciously setting out to find what he called new directions. He found it. The Eroica introduces something into music that had never been there before, what has been called hostile energy. It's music full of death, destructiveness, anxiety, and aggression. The Eroica does not set out to be beautiful, it sets out to be violent. Finally, the Eroica triumphs over the dark forces it unleashes. It truly is 
a heroic symphony. Now, here's something you may not know. Beethoven got the Eroica done and he immediately began composing the music that we'll hear today, the Fifth Symphony. And this went in quite a different direction. It wasn't about heroism, it was a plunge into something much darker, something much more threatening. Beethoven made some initial sketches for that new symphony and then he set them aside and he wrote another much gentler symphony which we know today as the fourth. And then he went back to those earlier sketches and finished what we now know as the fifth. The fifth symphony burst alive for the first time at a concert on frozen Vienna in December 1908. To us, that seems like titanic power, white hot emotion, but it baffled early audiences. One orchestra, and I think it was in Paris, was given the Fifth Symphony to play. They played the opening, bam, 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 and they stopped and burst out laughing. This isn't music, it's a joke. But other people, though, sensed something frightening about the beginning. Some the sense that this music was taking us into some place very dark. E.T.A. Hoffman said that this beginning, these are his words, sets in motion the machinery of awe, of fear, of terror, of infinite yearning. Young Mendelssohn played the Beethoven Fifth Symphony on the piano for the aged Goethe, and Goethe hated it. He said, this causes no emotion. It is merely strange and grandiose. We've lost the sense of how original that beginning is. We take those opening four notes for granted, but 200 years ago, they caused confusion and dread. But what's really interesting musically is how Beethoven then takes those four notes and builds a huge symphony full of titanic power. I'd like you to listen for those four notes, bam, 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 ba, and that rhythm, ta, 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 ta. And the, way, and the, the way they saturate the first movement, even as Beethoven moves away from that beginning, he's doing it on variants of those opening four notes. same rhythm as the fanfare to set up the second theme. Then listen very quietly in the bass line to hear what they're playing. Second theme in the basses. with the fifth is that we just about all have it memorized, don't we? I mean, it begins and we know where it's going. Try today to listen fresh to those four notes, the, to the way those four notes 
touch almost every measure in this movement. Here's a curious thing about the first movement. Beethoven wrote nine symphonies, as you know, and the first movement of the fifth is the shortest movement, shortest first movement in all nine symphonies. It explodes the life, it is very short, it's full of fury, and it hurtles to its end with all the tensions it has unleashed still unresolved. <laughs> Beethoven's Fifth feels somehow the need to interpret this music. This music is so evocative that we all feel it must be about something. <coughs> Some have heard the Fifth Symphony as, you know, fate knocking at the door. Someone else saw it as a tragic love affair. Others see it as the triumph of reason over chaos and so on. Every one of those interpretations, though, seems to agree about one thing. There is danger in this music, something dark and threatening and chaotic, as if Beethoven has loosed a darkness full of goblins and horrors. That darkness comes back at the beginning of the third movement. Just this moment, what comes riding out of the darkness to rescue us? It's an old friend now blazing with light. Throughout this movement, we feel that the demons unleashed at the beginning and of the opening movement are still out there in the darkness. The very ending of this movement brings one of the most remarkable places in all music. You expect a scherzo to introduce itself, have a middle section, and then go back. But instead of going back, Beethoven presses into new territory and it's dark. Suddenly we're in a bleak landscape, ominous and expectant. seems lost in darkness, but Beethoven is heading toward his finale. 
every commentator who has ever written about the Fifth Symphony describes this famous passage at the end of the third movement as the moment sunlight bursts through black storm clouds. And I think they're right. We move from ominous muttering C minor, like the sound of distant thunder, to a parting of the clouds. Sunlight bursts through and we arrive in triumphant C major. coming. Sunlight. And the last movement is a celebration. It's a triumphant march in C major and all the ghosts and goblins of the third movement and all the volcanic furies of that opening have been blown out in the process. Final movement has been interpreted in many different ways. Some see Beethoven's Fifth Symphony as the passage from darkness and fury of the beginning to light and triumph of the close. Some see it as the movement from chaos, the violent beginning, to order at the end. And in a simpler sense, some, the symphony moves from C minor at the beginning to C major at the close. Now, I said I want to push you to think about this familiar symphony in some new ways, so here's an issue to think about. Beethoven's Fifth has what we might call a problem finale. And we expect the climax of a work to come at its very ending, and it will then lock the work up convincingly. But in a strange sense, the climax of the Fifth Symphony comes right at the beginning of the finale, when the sunlight bursts through the clouds and that great march bursts out. And the question is, if the climax comes at the beginning of the finale, where else is there to go from there? Some people have argued that Beethoven hits the high point, the climax of the symphony, too early, right at the beginning of the finale, and after that, it's all anti-climax. He just spends the next 10 minutes pounding his chest until the uh, end of the piece. As you listen today, see how you feel about the finale and its structure and its emotional effect. And I want to show you one other thing. We get to the very end, which Beethoven, as you know, stretches out almost beyond belief, and we expect, what, at the end of a C minor to C major symphony, a big C major chord. All right, lock it up in clear C major. That's not what we get. Instead of a big chord affirming C major, Beethoven has every person on this stage play one note, C. <laughs> It's a way of searing that home key into our heads at white heat, and every one of you is going to walk out to intermission today with one pure note, a C, ringing in your heads. 
When we come back from intermission, we'll leap 130 years into the future and to another heroic symphony. This one, though, is quite different. By the mid-1930s, Shostakovich had become the bright young star of the Soviet musical world. He was the first major compo Russian composer to have come up and been trained entirely under the Soviet system, and he became famous as a very young man. He wrote his first symphony when he was only 19, and it was played all around the world by conductors like Stokowski and Bruno Walter. His opera, Lady Macbeth of, Mid of the Matense District, was performed around the world, <coughs> and it scandalized audiences around the world. It had a very vivid sex scene in it. Shostakovich's future seemed assured and secure. Then in January 1936, the prudish Joseph Stalin went to see the opera, and he walked out of it. A day or so later, Pravda ripped into Shostakovich. It attacked the opera, it attacked Shostakovich as an artist, and it savaged him for falling short of the ideals of the revolution. The review described his music as fidgety, screaming, neurotic. And it seems almost certain that that review was written on direct orders from Stalin. From Stalin. Shostakovich was in trouble, and he knew it. This was the period of the Great Terror of the 1930s, when Stalin had millions of people murdered. Shostakovich knew that he was on the verge of liquidation. He kept, I'll tell you a grim story, he kept a bag packed full of warm clothes with a good overcoat right by his front door so that if the knock came during the night and he was taken away, he could scoop the bag up and would have warm clothes to wear when he was in Siberia. Very quickly, as you might expect, he retreated as an artist. He had written an experimental fourth symphony, but he knew that that would get him in trouble, so he re, uh, withdrew it. It would not be performed for another 25 years, and he wondered how he should respond to the Pravda attack. He stayed silent for almost a year, and then in the spring of 1937, he set to work on his fifth symphony. It was premiered that November, and it was described as a Soviet artist's reply to just criticism. <coughs> I want to note, Shostakovich himself did not say those words, but he endorsed them when other people uh, said them. The Fifth Symphony was a triumph. It signaled Shostakovich's rehabilitation as a Soviet artist, and it has become the most popular symphony of the 20th century but 80 years later, it remains a controversial piece. I want to talk about the music first, then we'll do the controversy after that. In some senses, Shostakovich's fifth and Beethoven's fifth are very much alike. They're powerful dramatic symphony, they begin in conflict, and they both end in triumph. First thing I want to say about the Shostakovich is it is a very well-made piece. Often with Shostakovich, and I have played a lot of Shostakovich, you feel that you wish he had worked a little harder. He'd just gone back and revised and straightened it out, made it a little shorter and concise. This time, with the Fifth Symphony, he wrote very carefully. It is symphonic in the very best sense. It's dramatic, and it grows, develops, builds out of just a few ideas. 
It gets off to a powerful start with the strings in tight canon. Symphony needs a good contrasting theme, and in a few moments, we get a really beautiful arching melody for strings. And what you suddenly realize is that that beautiful singing theme is just a variation of that grinding beginning. Great symphonic writing. It is the same idea, just stretched in different ways. And he can take something that sounds rough and in just a few minutes, make it sound very beautiful. <coughs> I spoke earlier of the characteristic rhythm of the Beethoven fifth, pa, 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 pa. That rhythm saturates his opening movement. The Shostakovich fifth also has an obsessive rhythm in the first movement, and you just heard it in the accompaniment to that string, to the str um, string theme. Bum, 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 bum. Rhythm saturates the first movement. You'll hear it all the way through. We get to the climax of that movement, and Shostakovich marks it con tutta forza, with all your might. What rhythm do we get here? Okay, that first movement is so big and powerful that it's easy to overlook how beautifully it's made, how integrated all its themes are, how well Shostakovich has written in this movement. Two middle movements are somewhat unusual. After that big first movement, the second movement is a scherzo, and it's very, very short. It's only five minutes long. Many have heard the influence here of one of Shostakovich's favorite composers, Gustav Mahler. movement is huge. It's another big movement, and it's scored in unusual ways. It's a slow movement. It has no brass in it. Shostakovich divides the strings into eight parts, and he uses the harp, celesta, and piano very uh, uh, throughout the movement. It's a 20-minute movement, and apparently Shostakovich wrote it in three days. The music just poured out of him. It is, when you listen to the third movement today, listen for its sound. It is icy, 
beautiful, dark, cold music. And that sets up the finale beautifully. I said that there was a problem finale in Beethoven's Fifth, and there is a huge problem finale in Shostakovich's Fifth. Toscanini would not play Shostakovich's Fifth. He looked at the score, he liked the first three movements, but he could not reconcile himself to the ending, and he never played it. I once played the Shostakovich Fifth with a conductor who said that he loathed the finale. And a number of critics have jumped on this finale, calling it bombastic, the obligatory happy ending that Stalin expected from all his artists. It certainly seems that way from its very raucous beginning. noise, though, this finale can be surprisingly subtle uh, music. I showed you the way that Shostakovich transformed his material in the first movement, but you should hear what he does here. He takes music that is raucous and noisy and shallow and loud the first time we hear it, and he makes it sing. He unlocks the beauty inside that noise. Early in the movement, there is a raw trumpet tune. I want you to hear that snarling trumpet tune and then I'll show you what it becomes. Here it is. music, uh, pretty raucous and loud. Now watch what happens. Shostakovich takes that trumpet tune, he slows it down, he gives it to the quiet French horn, and it becomes golden noble music. This symphony rushes to a very noisy ending, and it's one that seems almost perfectly calculated to make an audience jump to its feet, screaming in pleasure. I want you to note one thing. I showed how Beethoven uh, V moves from C, major, uh, C minor to C major, but instead of ending with a C major chord, Beethoven burns it down and puts a pure C in our head. Shostakovich does exactly the same thing. His fifth is in D minor, it includes in D major. Do we get a big D major chord, or does every person on that stage hammer out a massive D? This brings us back to our finale problem and a controversy. The Soviet government loved the Fifth Symphony, and they came up with a perfect 
politically correct reading. They said that this symphony shows a man with all his experiences fragmented by life in the 20th century. Gradually, under Soviet guidance, he puts aside the negative aspects of his personality and becomes a whole man. Words to that effect were put into Shostakovich's mouth by the authorities, and for a while, this symphony in Russia was called the Hamlet Symphony. More recently, there has come a counter-argument from Western critics. They claim the whole symphony is ironic. Shostakovich is not writing a heroic symphony, they say, but a good boy symphony, dutifully trotting out all the right noises to please Soviet authorities with an upbeat ending. And the only way to see the Fifth Symphony correctly is to say that it's ironic. It poses at being heroic. This has become a very fashionable argument with Western critics who want to rescue Shostakovich from his communist past. You might think about this controversy at the end of the concert. Has this been a heroic symphonic journey or have all of you been fooled along with the Soviet authorities? I doubt this afternoon that anyone is going to jump to his feet at the end and say, good job of putting one over on the Commissar Shostakovich. I, uh, they'll be applauding because the Fifth Symphony is beautiful, exciting, dramatic, satisfying music. But I want all of you to think about that argument as you listen uh, to this problem finale. Shostakovich comes back into official fa favor with this symphony. What are we to make of that? And what would Shostakovich have to say about this whole argument? Those are questions to think about as you drive home from the concert today. Now, I need to finish up, and I want to come back to my opening statement as I do. This concert will bring us the most popular symphony from the 19th century and the most popular symphony from the 20th. They are both big, powerful pieces of music, and this concert is going to be a very high-energy experience. These pieces have become so popular that we almost take them for granted. Stop and think, can any one of you remember the first time you heard the Beethoven Fifth? Nah. We almost seem to be born knowing uh, uh, this music. Today, listen and try to imagine why this music was so threatening to its earlier audiences, why it seemed a plunge into darkness and chaos and disorder. And with the Shostakovich, ask yourself, are there depths here we might not expect? Yes, absolutely, it's a heroic symphony and a very satisfying one, but are there other ways to think about this music? I have never seen these two pieces programmed together, but it is a brilliant idea, and I'm glad that Jaap van Steden is doing it. It's a dark program, and it's also a very powerful and exciting program, and it's a program that finally should make us not just feel, but think. Enjoy.